Hello, this is Daryl Castle with today's Castle Report. Today is Friday, March 27th, 2020. And on today's report, I will be talking about the virus, the plague that we're all worried about, the virus that occupies our time 24-7, the virus that's all we think about, all we talk about, we think constantly of ways to avoid it, ways to lessen its effects if we are unable to avoid it. I'm working from home this week as I've been ordered here by a decree from Caesar who has decreed that we must all return to our place of domicile in order that we may be registered. The other members of my law firm are also obeying the decree to stay home, but we struggle to meet the needs of clients anyway and to keep the firm operating under these very difficult plague conditions. For me, this is day seven of quarantine. Day seven, Castle's held hostage. Joan and I are in a high-risk group, you see. We're both over 65. Fortunately, we're in good health otherwise, and we have a strong immune system, or so we believe. Strong enough, we think. Time will tell. I read an article in the newspaper the other day which reported that doctors in Italy have been ordered to deny the use of respirators to anyone over 60 years of age. So the triage has begun, at least in Italy. Socialist bureaucrats order doctors to ration life-saving treatment and they decide whose life is valuable enough to save and whose is not. Will decisions of who lives and who dies soon be made in America by similar people? My guess is that soon such decisions will be made for Americans and without their consent. Michael Bloomberg told us in a moment of honesty that socialist free-for-all health care systems would not be affordable otherwise. The dirty triage may be coming to America, and if so, we will all scramble for scarce resources. Could we also come to realize that not even the Federal Reserve can supply everything? Certainly not for free. For me, life goes on each day in quarantine. Certainly odd not to see my staff and the clients each day, but we still have teleconferences. We still have video when necessary. I'm grateful for a video conversation with my daughter stuck on the other side of the world, unable to return for who knows how long. We hope and pray that the internet continues to operate so that we can have these video conversations. Because if the internet goes down or the power is off, we have lost contact with her. We talk to relatives, to friends from around the country each day, anxious to hear if they are okay. How are you, we ask. Do you feel okay? Are you coughing? Do you have a fever? Are you confined in your home as we are? Do you have enough food there? I ask myself what the term quarantine actually means. Where did it come from? My research reveals that the word is a Latin word that means 40. So quarantined originally meant confined for 40 days. In the Black Plague years in Europe, when a ship arrived at the dock, the crew would be quarantined for 40 days, and if they were not sick, they would be released, but the ship would be burned. I imagine the rats carried the disease in their fleas, escaped the ships occasionally. 14 days, 30 days, certainly better than 40. So we hope and we pray that it is a quarantine of short duration. The president hopes that it ends soon, too. He recently said in one of his news conferences 
that he hopes and believes that America can get back to work by Easter. Americans are anxious to get back to work, and we think we can get the country rolling again by Easter, he said. What's wrong with that statement that anyone could take issue with, according to the New York Times and the Washington Post? Everything is wrong with it. I suppose it doesn't fit their narrative, whereby we are destroyed, then saved by Democrats. Their headlines announcing what he said were, Trump wants to reopen country despite warnings. And once again, Trump breaks with public health officials, I suppose. The thought of reporting it differently did not enter the editor's heads. How about saying something like this? The president wants to reopen the economy by Easter, which is April 12th on the Christian calendar. That is a noble ambition. We wish him all the best with it. Perhaps he knows something we do not know. Perhaps he's trying to create optimism in the country. It doesn't seem like a realistic goal to us, but we wait. We wait and we see. We hope for the best. Another example of the same thing would be the president's statement that the drug hoxychloroquine seemed to be helping. He would order the fast-track production of it, allowing the manufacturers to cut through some red tapes. It's currently being tested for COVID-19 use. Many doctors report it seems effective. Many patients report it saved their lives. Most of us would say those are good things. We should permit it to be used, but the New York Times said he wants to use a, quote, unproven drug. I wonder how many people would have to die of COVID pneumonia before they accepted it as a proven drug. Democrats in the House and Senate united as one. Hold up the proposed $2 trillion in relief aid for a couple of weeks because they demanded Republican destroying provisions as well as a Green New Deal wish list. Whether you're against a $2 trillion relief package because the money doesn't exist is a different issue from what I'm talking about. Democrats added to the aid package a rewrite of the election laws, including one, no effective voter ID, especially in early voting, and in absentee voting, no ID to vote at all, not even a Social Security number except perhaps the last four digits of one. Number two, same day as the election registration, which would take away any chance to verify information about who was actually voting. Number three, special ballot harvesting provisions, especially on tribal lands. That's a process whereby one person can turn in the ballots for a whole group of people. Anyone can turn in the voter's ballot, including the votes by mail. The last election, number four, the last election corrupting scheme, a new election auditing process whereby it would be very difficult, virtually impossible, to uncover election fraud. And five, amnesty for DACA, or what's come to be known as DREAMers, all that in a bill to aid people affected by the coronavirus, and hopefully that part of it will not pass. Most people can see that these provisions are not to make elections fairer and more open, but to destroy the concept of citizenship to build through a Democrat-created demographic change in the country, a permanent Democrat majority. There is also a long list of Green New Deal items that I won't, I won't list, but those are obviously not intended to help sick people either. Nancy Pelosi finally saw she could not win these things. She changed her mind, she said, allow the measure to pass so we might have some money to help some sick people, many industries, 
are failing, failing completely. They've closed. Many companies will end in bankruptcy court without government help. We, the taxpayers, must bail out failing companies. But what if they fail? So what? Who cares? The workers care because jobs go with them. Without jobs, people can't pay taxes. They can't buy things that other people make. Considering everything I've said so far, where do you think we're headed as a country? Are we headed down a $2 trillion road to Zimbabwe? It's not really $2 trillion, though, because the country is already on track for a $1 trillion fiscal year deficit. This will add to that. Could the real purpose of the bailout be to keep bad managers and gamblers from getting what they deserve and instead give them what they want by covering their losses with taxpayer labor? Or is that just an interesting side benefit? In fairness to the government and the Fed, however, in 2008, they only had to bail out the banks, but now it's the entire economy. Everyone has to be bailed out. Let me give you just one example, and that is Boeing. <clears throat> this company we call Boeing, an iconic company that built the B-17 and the B-29 that devastated Germany and Japan and helped win World War II. I was warned about that company many years ago that its civilian division was vulnerable to a single crash. Crash a military plane, investors understand that. They don't worry about it, but a civilian airliner is different. Boeing recently suffered two horrendous crashes of their new 737 MAX aircraft. My impression is that the 737 MAX is just an attempt to hold on to old technology. Instead of investing in new ideas like other companies do, they use their billions in profits to buy back their own stock, thus driving the company's stock higher and higher to over 400 now. However, it stands at less than 100. The Boeing CEO resigned after taking his bonus, of course, and the taxpayers must now save the thousands of jobs with billions of dollars of their money. Boeing, a great, iconic old company, driven to the brink of bankruptcy by terrible management, followed by the economy-destroying virus, perhaps a second scenario that demonstrates the political hypocrisy of it all, is that the president meets every day with the crisis team he put together to discuss what they're doing, what the problems are, and then he has a news conference to tell us. That's a good thing, right? I mean, it's transparency that we always see, uh, say what we want. His news conference features the people he relies on for advice, so we know where he gets the advice. We also see firsthand each day his crisis leadership and how people are responding to it. That all sounds like a good thing to me. I'm sure it does to most people. Not to Democrats, it doesn't. The problem for Democrats raised by the daily news conference is that they are attracting very high ratings, these conferences, like Monday Night Football. Lots and lots of Americans are watching. Learning. Democrats seem to hate learning. They love the dark. They love the dark word censorship. They want to censor the president so we can't see him at work, his news conference. It's just a campaign rally, they say. That's certainly how Democrats might use the crisis. I suppose I don't, but I don't think that's what he uses it for. I don't think that's what the news conferences are for. I watch them each day. I'm not interested in seeing a campaign rally. I'm not interested in Democrat censorship of news either. I suppose they would be happy if he only spoke to the New York Times, the Washington Post, and then they could 
interpret what he says and tell us what it really means. Finally, folks, what does the future hold for us? God knows the future, not me. But some things seem rather obvious. The music that drives all those new cars, new houses, times millions or billions worldwide. That music is about to stop. It really isn't an illusion that drives economies. It's sales. That's the only music economies listen to. When music stops, factories close, things aren't made and things aren't bought. Wages can't be paid. Bills can't be paid. Mortgages can't be paid. Rent can't be paid. When these things happen, millions will be in bankruptcy and the federal government will face a terrible choice. But that's another story for another time. At least that's the way I see it. Till next time, folks, this is Daryl Castle. Thanks for listening.